Welcome to the Contextless, the podcast where we did it, Joe. You're going to be the next president of the United States. <laughs> and so my guest today is a fellow SF State Gator, both a form like still a form a fellow journalist. I I am happy to say, uh, he resides in the North Bay, which is an underrepresented part of the Bay Area, arguably, and. I can honestly say this person has one of my favorite minds to like interact with just whether it's like humorous or or like just shooting the shit or like discussing big tech and how it's watching and destroying all our lives or just the political nuances of today that more people should be discussing but aren't discussing and so yeah this is i like i could like push end right now and still be like content with the episode just because like just having this person their presence, like without having to speak a word, I feel like is a victory in of its own. So yeah, without no further ado, welcome to the podcast, Will. Thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, damn, I'm not sure I deserve that intro. That was some high, high marks. But yeah, no, thank you for having me. I'm hella excited. Um, this should be cool. Uh and actually, I'm I'm in the East Bay these days, Concord, Walnut Creek area. Is that not the North Bay? Uh no, I'd call it I'd call it East Bay. I think it's more East for sure. Okay, I don't even know geography anymore. I blame coronavirus, just like everything else. I've lost my sense of time, and apparently, I've lost my sense of direction. Apparently. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, last time I checked. Last time I checked, it's been pretty tough. And last time I did geography, it's probably sixth grade. I don't know. It's a bit outdated. Don't need to. We have our phones for that, you know. Exactly. I think. Maps. Exactly, and I think it's no. I thought. I think I think of it as uh, as north because I'm in the East Bay also, and Concord is north of me. So I just automatically That's assume true. it's north of Bay. So yeah. And Concord is is. It stretches kind of far north, so I definitely understand. I definitely, definitely get it. Exactly, exactly. Uh, and so I just, because I want to ask you how you've been doing since, like, COVID-19 went down. But then how are you? It's kind of like a loaded question, you know? So I, yeah. <laughs> especially, now, I think it always has been, but now more especially so. So, yeah, just how have you been doing, like, since we last saw each other? Because we had a class together last spring. So just how have you been since then? Uh, I've been I've been good, and I like I like how you said that. It's definitely a loaded question, and I think it's one of those questions too that people. It's sort of like you know when someone asks that, how often do people people actually say like how they are? It's sort of like a I don't know. It sort of feels scripted. Like oh I'm okay, you know the usual. Uh, so in general, I, I don't like that question, um, just because I feel like nine times, eight times out of ten, maybe, it's just a formality, but we're getting into it today. Um, so to answer, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Um, I mean, geez, that was in March. What, our last class would have been in March that we had? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's been crazy. I... I picture 
COVID, lockdown, quarantine, shelter in place, whatever you want to call it. Like, I, I picture it, I visualize it in different, like, chunks. It's just crazy. I can't even make sense of it um, as, like, one time period just because I think everything's changed so much. Personally, I've, uh, you know, there's been so much going on, like, politics, Tiger King. That's what I, I always think is, like, the first part of quarantine. Is Not Tiger King. Just, no, no, no. Everyone just watching it. I agree. I didn't enjoy it. But yeah, I remember that was very that was the start of uh COVID nineteen, I'd say, yeah. Which feels like a lifetime ago. It does, doesn't it? Personally, I mean, yeah, just trying to stay busy. I don't like online classes, my eyes hurt, my back hurts. Me and Fernando were talking before we started recording. I got this new chair that you can't see. Um to help my back and I've just been trying to stay busy, frankly, because you know, COVID, you can't go out, you can't see as many people. Air quality, you can't go outside. So those two overlapping were something I really, really kind of messed with me. Mm -hmm. Which is trying to stay busy. Trying to stay what busy. Trying to do. Exactly. Does your, does your neck also hurt? It, it does hurt, but what I have problems with more is like shoulder. Mm. Which is, it's obviously, like, so connected, you know, but shoulder and, like, lower back. Okay. Because there's this one song that goes, my neck, my back, and so that's what it reminded me of when you said back. I'm familiar. Yeah, I'm familiar. Yeah. A couple of those things hurt. I won't say, I won't say which ones. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> this is not a doctor's appointment. <laughs> but uh, the, your chair is very no. nice. As, as Will mentioned, we talked about the chair and it is very nice we were saying how it gives off like youtuber vibes like i felt like i was gonna watch like a pewdiepie video but it's not 2014 anymore so yep. exactly period no too bad what a shame shame great and, year great no, year strong vibes strong youtuber vibes look right now not sure what to think yeah, I, like, lived through YouTube, like, oh, 2014, 2016. Like, those bu BuzzFeed videos, that was, like, how I, like, developed my personality and stuff. So, I agree. Yeah. That was a good year. Definitely. Yeah. And I don't know if you... Re YouTube, never a huge... Never a huge what? I was just going to say, never a huge YouTube watcher. Like, I never really bought in or, like, had a YouTuber that I really enjoyed watching. Um, maybe maybe I should be one. Looking, looking like how I'm looking right now. Ready to scream. It's definitely a way to keep busy. And you have the chair for it. You have the ear headphones for it. You have the time and, you know, <laughs> to do it and stuff. And I would watch, you know, like and subscribe, guys. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, maybe if I create a channel, you can shout me out by the end of the episode. Just get it, get it rolling. I, yeah, exactly. We have yeah. to support our friends, and I hopefully you shout me out, <laughs> vice versa. Exactly. Yes. And I don't... No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. And I don't know if you realize this, Will, but... 
you're making history on this podcast by being on this episode. Do you know? Do you know how you're making history? I don't. No. Okay. For those. Okay. Will is the first white guest I have on this podcast. So in a yeah. way, you're colonizing my podcast. Well, how how could you do that? I feel like it was my God-given right to occupy this podcast. Frankly, um, yeah, that that's interesting. No, I've only listened to a few episodes, so I I didn't pick up on that. But um, that's interesting. I'm glad glad to be here. Yeah, exactly. And I'm glad you're here too. And like, honestly, white representation matters, you know, they don't, white people don't get enough representation, sadly, like as far as we've progressed, <laughs> as, as far as, as much as we'd like to think we've progressed as a society in the year 2020, white people get left behind far too much, I'd say. <laughs> no, I'm being sarcastic. Uh, yeah. I'm being sarcastic. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I know. I know. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah. I don't think there's any too many major issues of representation uh, with the white point of view. I was like, damn, that was some convincing sarcasm. I was like, wondering if I was misunderstanding what you're saying. Um, it's like I'm impressive acting to strong sarcasm right there almost had me fooled yay like, I'm like yay glad to hear I don't know but I don't know if I was being satirical or sarcastic but I definitely did not mean any of it I was saying please don't cancel me like Twitter if you're listening please don't cancel me no. but yeah I would just no. I just wanted to bring it up because like uh, not because I feel like a lot of the conversations we've had like texting or whatnot it will be about like uh, kind of like Trump supporters, you know, and kind of the whole like cult of personality thing. And it's no secret that most of those, uh, not uh, not to generalize, you know, but like a lot of there's a lot of his supporters are white people. And so for me, I've always been interested in you as like a white person. How do you like navigate that like? That, like, you could be associated with it, even though you're not it at all, you know? Have you ever thought about it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I definitely have. Um, I think my first reaction, uh, along with, and I'll go ahead and generalize, like, a lot of white people who don't support Donald Trump, I feel like their first reaction is defensive. You know, oh no, like not me. And while while that's true in my case, and probably a lot of other, I mean, definitely a lot of other white people's case, it kind of to me it comes off as like I don't know, like too defensive. Like I think there's an not like a a level of acknowledgement that like white people need to hold, like in the context of. Donald Trump supporter or not you know like uh, I, I definitely 
don't I under I I understand and don't blame people for like coming off as defensive because of you know what a Trump supporter looks like in a lot of people's minds, but I don't like that reaction. So what I, I what I try to do is just like I try to just I don't know question that first reaction, not really buy into it. You know, like try to understand why someone might associate me that way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Exactly, and the whole point about people being defensive about it, I would say that not like I don't think you fall into this group of people I'm talking about, but like when people are like, let's say they are like an open Trump supporter, and then they get defensive about it, I think it's because they know it's not right deep down, you know, and they don't like being confronted with that truth, you know, because I feel like one of the biggest problems within the Republican Party. Or just like anyone in, involved in the political uh, conversation, it's just like willful, willful ignorance, you know? Like people are only choosing what they want to believe. And that's how the whole conversation about what truth is and what isn't truth kind of like got convoluted into what it is today. And lots of different truths. There's that corny saying, I don't know who said it, sorry, I'm not citing my sources, but like, everyone has their own truth, or whatever that expression is, and that's very true. People people uh, are willfully ignorant to, they don't want to hear things that don't align with what they already believe in. Yeah, that's a huge problem, huge problem a huge problem and like it even it's still a prevalent problem now what like two weeks after the election ended presidential election ended and like for people who like it's aren't, not over it's not it's not over as you said yeah it's not, it's, it's not over <laughs> thank you for uh correcting me will yeah as he said it's not over right because according yeah. to like what trump is saying <laughs> and his fan base his supporters are saying it's not over and it's and it's being contested and it's rigged by the radical left mail-in ballots are fake etc etc but yeah Trump and his administration and supporters are still perpetuating this idea that it's not over even though Joe Biden won by millions of votes and so yeah that leads me to my next point of conversation where like we discussed this I think but like what were you doing election week like emotionally what were you expecting and kind of when the when joe biden was announced in the winter kind of what did you feel like what was that week like for you yeah um the week the weeks leading up to it um it was just for me i was in like i was in a place personally where like I needed to change like what I was doing like the air quality was bad couldn't go outside it was just so obvious that like things needed to change both for me personally and like the world um, that I was really really nervous and apprehensive about what the hell was gonna happen um, almost to a point where like I couldn't quite think about it all that much and 
I think it's almost too much to think about. Like my house, like I, I try to uh, like live normally, but when I'd come home, a lot of times my mom would have the news on. She'd be reading something. She'd hear something, mm-hmm. um, and we'd talk about it. So it was just like this constant sort of. I feel like everyone and like people, I like friends of mine are just constantly during that time constantly taking in news from whichever side um, they align with. But it's just for me, it was like a news overload, just overload in general. Too much to think about, too high of stakes. So the result was good. The result was a huge relief. Um, I woke up, saw Twitter, social media, whatever it may be, saw the headlines that, you know, Biden, our boy Joey, got some big state. And I I, I remember I drove, I forget what I was doing, I, I drove somewhere and I was just playing music and it was just like a beautiful vibe. I was like, oh, thank God. I remember it was a clear, clear day, kind of cold. I was just I was just thrilled. I was completely relieved. Didn't you say? So didn't you say you went on a hike that day, that morning? Yes, yes. You, that is very observant of you. See, I, I truly have trouble remembering sometimes. Um, I think, I think I was just in such a happy sort of fog. No, but yes, I climbed Mount Diablo. Um, not to the summit, but if for people that don't know that, that's I think it's it's a mountain <laughs> in the East Bay area. Just in case, it's it's a mountain. It's a mountain in the East Bay area. It touches like Clayton, Walnut Creek, Concord. I don't know what other cities, but I'm pretty sure it's the biggest mountain. Me and my mom climbed it to celebrate. Uh, we didn't go to the summit. We had just like a four or five mile hike, I believe. Okay, yeah, because that's cool, because that's definitely, that's a great way to not only, like, celebrate the news, but to, like, you know, get out of that bubble of, like, constant, you know, political chatter or whatnot. But I was, for me, I was glued to, like, CNN the entire week watching the same, like, two white men point at the same map, and then they would make the map big and then small, and then I would just be like, what? It was, like, it was just... For like what what was it four four three days that was it basically for me but yeah i didn't know i saw like by the time it was friday people were saying on social media like why don't they just call it but then people said oh it's because the news stations want the ratings because a lot of people were watching it so i guess that was why i'm not sure yeah what was like what day was like the was it i feel like it was the saturday the day that um it was pretty certain like a lot of news organizations came out and said that biden should win it was that a saturday yeah that was saturday morning like around 8 a.m pacific time okay yeah that's that's interesting about it definitely it definitely felt that way like kind of like they were drawing it out um Obviously not the election itself, but like capitalizing on everyone's undivided attention and like anxiety. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yes, that's that's very true. 
tons of anxiety. Yeah, I think I told you this, but like the morning of that Saturday morning when we all found out, my brother woke me up and all he said was he was like he was like Fernando, racism is over <laughs> to like troll me. Yeah. To like troll me because he knew he knew that it's like still bad, but it's less bad allegedly because we because Joe Mr. Joe Biden got into it. But yeah, that week was crazy because I think they, I in retrospect, I think it was worth the wait because it was a Saturday morning the entire day across not only the country, the Bay Area, but like around the world, people were dancing in the streets like celebrating like people were lit and i was just one like that was crazy to see because i'm like we're still in a pandemic you know we're still in a pandemic so for me it was just crazy to see everyone excited but i think i think we deserved it you know i think after four years of this past i feel like we deserved it definitely exactly definitely i love pandemic pandemic i haven't heard i love love that I definitely think we deserve it um, that it was it really was like that like sounds corny but holy it was a celebratory like feeling that I think a lot a lot a lot a lot of people were feeling so I don't hold it against anyone for going out and doing whatever you know dancing in the streets it's, it's necessary i also think it's necessary and like you said deserved exactly exactly it's part of like i feel like that is part of the democratic process where it's like we get to we need to celebrate our victories in order to keep the energy you know so and, and i agree with what i said which is like we did deserve it but that's so funny you say that because i was like I was like lit, you know, I made a breakfast, I was cooking, I was like lit. But then I but then once the data came back the following days of like who like which demographics voted for who, like the totals and stuff, those came out and like over 70 million people still voted for Trump. Over 70 million. And it came out that like I believe if I'm not mistaken, if I'm getting the numbers right, 53% of white women voted for trump which is higher than the amount of them that voted for him four years ago so it's stuff like that that really gives me to like makes me pause whereas you see 91 percent of black women voted for joe biden so it's just that contract like it tells me everything i need to know does that make sense it does it does um yeah i've seen like that um, seeing things on social media like like you're saying you're I believe you're saying like kind of in the context of yes we won but there are a lot of people a lot of things that still need to change and a lot of people who still hold on to you know Donald Trump and policies racism and all that good stuff um, work is to be done still for sure that's super super interesting looking at all the different demographics and not completely surprising either i'd say exactly exactly it's not surprising yeah that's what i would also say because i i one of my biggest problems with the democratic 
party and just establishment in general. It's just this whole like catering to like like center centrists, like uh, people who are neutral. What are they called? I forgot what they're called. Neutrals? I don't know. But you know, just like and those like appealing to like Trump supporters or whatnot. Because I feel like it is what it is. You know what I mean? Like they have to do the work. We shouldn't have to do the work for them. If that makes sense. Yeah, because it's definitely something that's going to be, like, studied for a while and whatnot. And the whole, like, divisionist, like, division, like, approach he's been taking, it's because he knows that, like, he has nothing to stand on. You know, I think we've t discussed this before previously where it's, like, I personally believe Donald Trump doesn't have any politics. He's just, like, a figurehead for, like, the people around him. So this whole thing of, like, He's a success, quote unquote, successful businessman. That means he'll be a great president. For me, that just tells me that people really buy into this whole capitalistic notion of like money equals worth, money equals good, you know? And I just, I just think it's yeah. crazy, even given the COVID-19 pandemic. It was earlier this week, like we reached 250,000 deaths and people who are like protesting the protesting the virus because apparently that makes sense to do but they're like open up we defeatable. need yeah it's, it's defeatable right if it's just like protest and people are like oh we need to open up like support small businesses and stuff and for me people are really choosing money over human lives you know numbers 
from the right making the numbers lower like i think it's worse in fact than what it is worse than what we know you know not everyone's able to get tested like tests aren't uh as as available as they need to be so we don't know it's just it's mind-blowing to me exactly because i feel like uh donald trump he's been saying this one line where he's just like oh cases are going up because people are getting tested it's just this that's whole a, what? That's crazy. I've truly heard not to one of the. I've heard people say that, like, like people I know say that, and it's just unbelievable. It is absolutely just terrifying. Of course, like the it's crazy how they can't see the flaw with what they're saying. Like what they're saying is don't test people what they're saying is obviously the reason tests or the reason cases are increasing is because we're testing people so yes we need to test people duh shouldn't even need i shouldn't even need to say that i you know like i i'm just gonna stop right there it's just ridiculous exactly Uh, exactly and i feel and there's this whole discussion because uh i don't know if you've heard but California Governor Gavin Newsom announced a curfew that's going to start this weekend where it's like 10, 10 p.m. till 5 a.m., I want to say, or 8 a.m. I think it's 5 a.m. where people can't go out and stuff. And I personally don't think it's going to do anything because, like, who, who is out there anyway, you know? I think it should be, like, a complete lockdown. And for me, people are, like, saying, like, oh, don't completely lock down. Like, give people the option to, like, just wear masks, right? Because... The people who care really care. But I think the people who don't care outnumber the ones who are actually like working to like stop this. And that leads and that reminds me of what you were just saying. Whereas like I personally think at me speaking as like an American, because I am an American, as ashamed as I am to say it, you know, but like uh I feel like some people, including Americans, give other Americans way too much credit and way too much benefit of the doubt. Does that make sense? Kind of. Kind of. I don't think I completely know what you mean. Well, what I'm trying to say is some people are arguing, oh, don't go on a lockdown. People know what to do, right? People know that they should be wearing masks, right? But Uh, then the people who say that, I believe, are giving way too much credit to people in America. Because we're because a good okay. section are not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah, I I'd agree with that. I think people are giving too much credit to people like Donald Trump listening to. And I know obviously people are going to listen to our president. That's why it's just so terrible how he's used his platform, his power. But like, give credit to the. And again, I say this, and it's just like, I don't know who I'm talking to, who needs to hear it, but listen to the fucking scientists. Give credit to the scientists, you know. Uh, self-explanatory. And earlier, what you said is, I agree that the people who don't care about or aren't being as cautious about COVID, I agree there's more. And I think that even if there was half of the people half as many people that don't care 
compared to people who do, I think that's still a problem because it's kind of like a ruin it for everyone sort of thing. You know, like they're spreading it. You know, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, you know, definitely. Like, ruining it for everyone. Yeah, it's spreading like spreading it regardless. Exactly, exactly. I agree with you. It's like someone. It's like someone brings a pie to a party, and before we cut it up in slices, someone sticks their hand in it, and then now we can't have any pie. That tight. Very much that. Can't have that. We can't Terrible. have that. No. Terrible. Terrible. And so, with that in mind, I honestly feel like, given the state of like the news media and how like the truth has become like truths, and just whatnot. I personally feel like we're at a point in this country where like people don't know well, well some people don't know what's best for them unfortunately and I don't know how to I don't I think that's one of the things we're struggling to like come to terms with because you know how should the government interact how should it like not cross boundaries and stuff but God knows what'll happen because this is not going away anytime soon <laughs> you know like no like they're talking about this upcoming winter that it's going to be like some like winter is coming game of thrones type of thing like hide your kids hide your wives like we're gonna be like hibernating like the animals we are yeah yeah game of thrones i recently this podcast for the record was the final straw that made me watch game of thrones i am well into season two actually and it's only been it's been it's been short it hasn't been too long so i'm I'm into that winter is coming no doubt um and our hospital beds are filling up i do believe it's going to be a bad like it's just crazy to see that we're going to go back into like when you look at the little not little lines there's this part where it's very high around what may June, July, and it's right back up there. It's just crazy. We, we don't learn. We're just so willfully ignorant. People aren't changing. Aren't Americans aren't able to change when they need to, like we have needed to. So it's just it's not good to see at all. Yeah, it's like this. It's like this. It's not an inability to adapt, but rather it's a refusal to adapt. And I think that's a key difference. But you just said you started watching Game of Thrones. So, what do you think? What, how, what's your take on Game of Thrones? It's like barely into season two. What do you think? Who Who are your favorites? What do you Good. think? Favorite characters? Oh God, I really liked. I mean, there's too many slimy individuals in the show. I really liked uh, Ned Stark. I'm sad to see him go. Uh, you know, I really, I like, I like Tyrion, the, um, the quote unquote half man. He's a, I love his character mm-hmm. so much. I think he's very, very necessary to the show because everyone's acting like impulsively and oftentimes primitively and he's smart and he's funny. So I think he's just a great character. I'm loving the show. It's well done. No doubt. Yeah. Cause I'm glad to hear, I'm, I like it. I'm happy that like this podcast is what finally made you watch it. I'm glad to hear that. Cause I think it's definitely a show worth watching, you know, cause it kind of revolutionized TV in a way. It was like something everyone watched, you know, on Sundays, but yeah, Tyrion is a great character. He's played by the actor, Peter Dinklage, an amazing character. And I feel like his character for people who don't know, 
his character is like uh, a little person or like a dwarf uh and so i feel like that his character having gone through that like always being treated less than is kind of what gave him the perspective that he has in the show does that make sense What do you think about Circe? Circe. Something about me, I'm bad with names. Who's that? And I haven't warmed up. I don't, I don't know all the... Stop, he's making a face. He's making a face on Zoom. Um, I made a face on Zoom, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yep. No, yep. but she's, uh, she's uh, the princess, I want to say, right? She's, well, I don't know, this is the biggest clue I can give you, but, like, she's having sex with her brother. Okay, yeah, the, yeah, she's, she's scary. She's terrifying. She's powerful. I like her character, though. I actually do like her character because, um, a lot of the shows, obviously, like, men dueling and whatnot and a lot of the women almost all of the women are completely um you know less than servants just the role of the women in the show which is historically accurate is less than and she's she's a baller i mean she's (laughs) she's a baller motives but she's she's i like her character she's driven she's very driven Definitely, definitely. She is a girl boss. She is a girl boss. She's driven. What do you think of that one? I think it's in the first episode, right? Where like they push that kid out of the tower. Yeah, that was a startling start. Because when that happened, when we saw them doing their thing up in that tower, I didn't quite know who the two characters were. And I'm not sure if that was intentional or not, or if I just was kind of, I didn't pick up on it. Uh-huh. But I was like, whoa, like, it was clear, obviously, that Bran, I think his name was, wasn't meant to see. That was clear, but I didn't know who the characters were exactly yet. And then it became clear that they were doing some questionable things up there. Exactly. Yeah, but like, I'm excited to hear that you started this journey, and I can't wait to hear what you think as you continue the seasons because i think it's a it's pretty exciting if you ask me you know it's a very good show i think so too everyone says it's just full of surprises like brace for impact sort of you're not going to see stuff coming and there's already been like a couple of those so i like that about it it'll be you're describing it as a journey and it, it seems like one of those shows you know that you really like invest in and it's pretty long correct i want to say yes i believe there's like six or seven seasons i want to say okay yeah and they're long episodes it just feels that way i feel like it most definitely is going to be a journey and Time of year is right to find a nice show. Otherwise, get comfy. So I'm excited for that as well. Awesome, awesome. Because I'm surprised you've managed like to get this far without like 
encountering like spoilers you know or like having spoiled it for yourself does that make sense or maybe you have i'm not sure but like you're like fully in the show for the first time yeah i never really to be fair i never listened to spoilers when people were talking about uh the show which i now understand because it's definitely a show also that like was, i could talk to people about it no doubt a lot but I just never, I guess I never really listened too hard to conversations about the show where spoilers probably were. One, because I wasn't interested, and two, because I wasn't seeing the show. And I have a bit of a hot take about spoilers. I don't mind being spoiled. <laughs> having to, having to go being spoiled, obviously that's circumstantial. But to me, like, if I know a big fact of the show, yeah, it's in my head, but, like, I feel like what leads up to it and the exact moment of the show, like, if I knew, oh, something happens in this episode, I'd be, I'd be mad, but there's just so much context, like, that makes, that is important um, in a show or movie that um, I don't feel... I don't feel like knowing a spoiler is the worst thing in the world. I know people will fight me on that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I agree with that because, like, you just said context is important. And, like, what is this? This is contextless. So, yeah, yeah. context is important. Yeah. Full circle moment right there. And I agree with you to, to an extent because, for me, it's kind of like it's about the journey, not the destination. Does that make sense? So for me, if the show is actually worth watching and like enjoyable, the journey to that spoiler is what'll like be worth it, even if I do get spoiled. So yeah, I agree with you with what you're saying on that. Yeah, that's a good point. If it's like a, and I feel like Game of Thrones is like a, it's just it's well done in general. You know, it's not some lame show that like the ending is really the only thing that matters. Like. Almost every single interaction that people have on the show, like the way they talk, the, the way they choose their words is like incredible to me. Um, so, exactly. I'm not too focused on the destination. I'm just writing it out. You're right just now. writing it out, writing it out. Mm-hmm. Have you been watching any other shows or movies recently? Yeah. I recently watched Shameless, which was another one that a lot of people recommended but I kind of just assumed it was one of those low hanging Netflix fruit kind of that just everyone watches just because but I really really liked it and I'm glad it's still rolling new seasons coming out have you ever seen it? I did I did I watched it the first time I watched it was back in like 2014 I want to say it was one of those shows because it airs on showtime right netflix just uh runs it but it was one of those weekends where like we had a showtime free trial we had a free trial for the weekend and i was just flipping the channel because these were like the adult channels right and so i was just like shameless what is this and then i binge watched the entire like second something season or the latest season then and like i've been i fell in love with the show back then because the characters are amazing you have Fiona Gallagher, you have Ian, Lip, 
the entire family is really good. Do you have do you, what are your like takeaway moments from that show or that really like stuck with you? Um, specific moments I'd need to think about, but like some of the themes that I really like in the show are, and these are all gonna sound cheesy, but just like the family dynamics. It's kind of a exaggerated family you know the the high like the lows are i'd say low lower than usual but of course i feel like there's um truths to truths in the show truth the way their family operates that anyone can see who watches it um and just the characters the way the characters are built and interact with each other i think is another strong point of the show um, I really like almost all the characters. Mm -hmm. And just not only are the characters written well, but like the cast, the casting is amazing. It's very an, an ensemble cast, but like each actor is like strong on their own. One of my favorite scenes, if I remember correctly, is when Fiona Gallagher, she's the oldest of the Gallagher siblings, and their mom, Monica, comes back and she's just like, Fiona's just going in on the mom because like the mom left and then she had to raise the kids or whatnot. It's one of those scenes for me when I think of like great acting, those that's one of the ones I always pop in my mind. But definitely it's very popular. Like a lot of people have seen it. The show I mean. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think Fiona her her character uh, carries a lot of the weight for like the at least in the first like the early seasons she carries a lot of the way to the really impressive acting and like the heavier sort of scenes because obviously the other her siblings Lippy and debbie liam uh like they're they're a lot younger so just as actors they're not as good yet of course and that's another thing i really like about the show is the way you see uh, like the way just the the actors the characters grow like mm. <laughs> the adults and whatnot it's really interesting to see i like that in any show like that's always cool for me to watch yeah yeah definitely now that i'm thinking about it of all the members in the family of the gallagher family you're giving me carl vibes do you remember carl you're giving me Carl vibes. It's like, you know how there's like, there's like, have you seen those memes where it's like chaotic neutral, chaotic evil? Like, it's, you're giving me some type of that. Okay. Yeah, I mean, for the, for the listeners here, I got the Carl haircut. For sure. For the listeners who can't see it, mm -hmm. I got that Carl 2004 punk buzz haircut going so i see i see that that's funny that's a pretty looks wise that's inaccurate like i feel like i kind of mm -hmm. look like Carl. yeah and i love the uh, haircut like it looks good we love a buzz cut yeah yeah um yeah carl is carl is because he starts off his characters are so simple like he only says things like cool or like sick and then he actually grows up and he's like a pretty decent actor, I think. And his character, I like his, the path his character takes. So, things like that, like I said. 
seeing the characters and the actors themselves grow is always always awesome. Yeah, because like a lot of some of the actors were like children when they were starting on the show, and they've literally like grown with the show literally because it's been on since like I want to say 2011 around then, so like a pretty long time, a long time. Mm-hmm. Have you been watching anything else? This is where I said I've told you this lots and lots of times, but like I am not a big TV watcher, and even less of a movie watcher. I what did movies do to you, Will? Bro, what did movies ever do to you? Nothing. We just—it was always like a cold relationship between me and movies. We just never really were able to like figure it out, and I really don't know why. But like <laughs> childhood movies. Since everyone like relates to or has seen, there's like a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot that I never saw. So there's that. I'm a very uncredible movie source. Like you were talking about the actors, Tyrion's actor. I am worthless when it comes to like actors and actresses, like their names, producers, directors. Mm-hmm. I know absolutely nothing about that. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure you're not alone in that boat. Because a lot of people, I would say, would agree with that. And for me, it's just kind of like, I don't know. Because for me, movies have been like, oh, I get to like not be in my world for X amount of time. <laughs> you know? And so I think that's why I like movies so much. Because like, yeah. they're just let me experience something that isn't, that in a way doesn't have anything to do with me. Does that make sense? It's like a it's like a short vacation. I think of it. Yeah. You know. Yeah, just um, a chance for you to invest some energy in a different story, you know, a different point of view. Um, and I've changed. I've changed. Like I will enjoy a movie. I enjoy many series, but not something on my radar like my friends would be like trying to go to a movie it was just never for whatever reason something that was on my radar like mm-hmm. seeing the new movies seeing the new shows strange i and like i said i don't quite know why yeah yeah and i think again because we're as i mentioned at the beginning of the episode we're both uh well in like into journalism right writing and stuff and so for me uh a reason why similar to why I watch movies and stuff, I think one of the reasons why I got into journalism is because it gives me the ability to, like, tell stories kind of through yeah. me, you know? Because I get to go into these different communities and worlds that I may not belong to that I can, like, tell through me, you know? Kind of, like again, the thought process of, like, entering a new world and just, like, reporting on it, experiencing it beyond myself. So... Th- with that being said, like, kind of, like, what led you to journalism, would you say? Because we all know it's not the money, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, it wasn't. I just, I personally, cheesy, cheesy, uh, cheesy take warning, I couldn't do something I don't love. Like, I just couldn't do something super monotonous super unexciting and i think journalism is exciting talking to people telling 
uh, various stories, um, telling stories that need to be heard is something we hear in all of our classes. Um, but yeah, the the real way I've all the real way I got into it is like I needed a class senior year of high school, and I just kind of took it on a whim. Like I, I knew the teacher, I loved the teacher. Shout out Miss Jenkins. Uh, it was cool, you know, spending the class period like walking around campus, talking to different people, like football games, soccer games. Mm-hmm. Like just reporting was fun. Reporting was fun, and writing was, has always been something I like. So I think it just uh, sort of, sort of. I kind of got lucky. I think I was about to say it came naturally, but like I think I just got lucky and found something I kind of. I like a lot. Yeah, because, like, you said, like, not to be cheesy, but it's, like, you could never do something that you don't love to do. But, like, cheese it the fuck up, you know? That's a t- that's good to have a cheese, you know? Because, yeah, like, yeah and so no worries on that. Because I just feel you're like, right. I just feel like you're, I, I agree with what you're saying because it's something I love to do also. And I could never, I would never want to do something monotonous that I didn't, wasn't passionate about, right? So I feel like, like, you you and I and like all of our other journalist colleagues like we're lucky to like not only know what it is we want to do but to like actually actively perceive it you know so like a little pat on the back you know like we're doing it because people usually don't either realize what they want to do that's a passion for them or they do but then they compromise for something that's more quote-unquote profitable you know because a lot of people like from high school A lot, I don't know if you can relate to this, but but a lot of my high school friends, they went into, like, STEM fields, not because they liked it, but because it's how they were brought up and how their parents expected of them. Definitely, definitely something I relate to as well. Um, good old Walnut Creek, where I went to school, super affluent fluent um i think there's a tremendous pressure for um kids to stray away from creative fields which is a damn shame um and i'm gonna i'm gonna hop up hop up on top of the journalism high horse and i think something that's super important um about journalism and something that i like for the like i like that i chose it was Yeah, I agree with what you're saying because, as you just said, you acknowledge like the cultural and social significance over the monetary importance. You know, because I feel like I've never, I've never questioned that writing slash journalism is what I wanted to do out of like a money reason. Because I know if like I put in the work and the energy and the passion into it, I'll just make a living out of it you know what I mean it's that type of mentality I like to keep and like suggest to like all my other 
journalism friends because it's just like if you love it then it's gonna work out i feel like maybe or maybe i'm too optimistic i don't know but that's that's how i've been able to like make it through yeah i agree and it's it's the type of thing with anything you're doing if you're doing it better than anyone else you'll be there's opportunities in journalism and media i don't need to tell you that you know like some very serious money you know i just i couldn't couldn't be uh no no shots out of finance with majors or like math and economics i just couldn't yeah like i don't like math i don't know her i don't know math i i forgot who she is sorry to that man and also just like business majors no thank you i don't know that's a whole other conversation but yeah i feel like one of the whole things about journalism yeah the whole thing about one other thing about journalism specifically in terms of like academia and like studying it i feel like it's so overrated in a sense because like anyone could be a journalist does that make sense like you don't need necessarily a degree but like it's good to study it but what i'm saying is like the the entry the barrier of entry is not as high as some people think it is you know so and for me i think that's important to consider when thinking about like diversity in the newsrooms or like in journalism like anyone can do it it's just a matter of like finding those voices and like nurturing them mentoring them and like investing in them you know regardless of their resume because like fuck a resume fuck a cover letter like a cover letter you know like yikes but yeah that's what i think yeah those are a couple of adults adult tasks that i haven't warmed up to quite yet um I, I, I like what you said a lot about um, the entry level, I think, how you put it. Because um, I think that's that's the sort of people look at these like STEM majors, and I think like it's understood, if I'm not just tripping, that like those are much harder to tackle than, say, a creative major or journalism or something like it um i I hope i like i love that i hope journalism is something that is accessible to people because that's what needs to happen you know Mm -hmm. to just improve the representation of stories that are told exactly exactly because i just basically as you just said and I just think it's a matter of like understanding that you know how like not everyone can write like not everyone is a good writer but everyone can write you know what I mean it's that kind of like oxymoron ish but yeah definitely keep journalism diverse and stuff because there's a lot of stories a lot of stories a lot of stories Has and the, it's good it's changing. Yeah, and it's good it's changing. Yeah, I agree, I agree. I was just going to ask you if, like, in your time doing journalism, if you have, like, a favorite project or story that you've worked on that you would like to share, if any come to mind. Yeah, I'd say um, there's been a 
there's been a couple. So I wouldn't necessarily call it a project, but like one of the one of my focuses at um, uh, an internship I had two summers ago was I'd talk about Berkeley and Oakland specific um, musicians, and like it was my job to do research and find these lesser-known, talented uh, artists, bands, musicians, whatever it was, and that was super cool, um, super, super cool, it, that led me, like, I'd love to do something along the music line, uh, music vein in journalism, um, I just, it was cool, it was pre-COVID, I'd go out and see their performances, if I could, because I wasn't 21, and oftentimes it's at clubs, bars, venues, where you need to be 21, mm -hmm. but I got to go out and like, press pass sort of deal, it was super cool. Oh wow, super, super cool. backstage Will, Will was backstage, dun dun dun, but yeah, because uh, I had a yeah, similar internship, yeah. I had a similar internship with uh, with a music, with an events website and whatever, and it was very music oriented. And I would get the shows. I would get I would get to go to shows and stuff and write about them and cool. And it was cool. But didn't you say the other day that you've never been to a concert? Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, I've been to a lot of like, because when we were talking about it the other day, I was thinking like big concerts you know what i'm saying or like big artists mm -hmm. i've been to plenty plenty of like smaller like actually way too many my uh, sister was a pretty like she was in a latin jazz group that was super super fucking good actually started by an ff state professor uh shout out john calloway he's dope he is a crazy talented, smart, smart guy. Um, so I, I've been to lots and lots of small, more like intimate, just uh, concerts. Never like a big, big concert, big venue, big name. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because I understand the differences, the difference of the performances you're talking about. But like, hopefully one day post COVID, you'll have your press pass, you know, and go to like the biggest concerts ever. And then you can get me in. I could be like your plus one. Yes, no, that, that would work. That would work. And hopefully it's something that I've been meaning to do. Uh, I guess like, like it wasn't never really on my radar for whatever reason. And I think I kind of think of concerts as these huge things. Like, I wouldn't want to, I don't think I'm interested. I don't think I'd do well at, like, a festival. Too much, too much going on. Yeah. Me, I think. Too, like, tiring, like, physically. <laughs> Spending the whole day. I'm sure I'd love it. In fact, I know I'd love it, but something I haven't tackled for whatever reason. Bruh, I could so see you, like, crowd surfing. Just like, you know, just, but I, I agree with what you're saying because you're so hyped up, right? And I just think it's one of those things where like you just have to climb over that hill someday. And then once, after you do it the first time, 
you'll build up like the stamina for it and then like you'll do it so like you know i have faith in you i have because i'm someone who's been to like a lot of music festivals concerts and stuff i have faith in you that like you'll get to do all of it someday yes thank you and i have i have faith in myself it's just like you said it's probably the sort of thing i'll go to one love it no jump start Hey, maybe I just haven't started that phase in my life. I'd love, I love the thought of like a, like you know, getting into that, going to lots of performances as soon as we can go to them again. Maybe that's what I'll do. You know, after this year of over a year, who knows when it ends of COVID reflection, I'll go out into the biggest crowd I can find. Exactly, exactly. And then you could just mosh pit. You could just mosh, you just make your own mosh pit and just butt it and thud buddies. Thud, yeah, just crashing each other. I see that for you. I see that for you. Definitely. And so now. I love it. I'm glad you see. Yeah. And so now I'm going to move on to our segment of the podcast called Pop Off, where a guest and I will go off on any topic of our choosing. Whether it be good, bad, or somewhere in the middle, so I'm gonna ask you. Well, do you do you have something in mind, Cause, or do you want me to go first? Because I'm ready. I know what I'm. I want to pop off on. Go crazy. Go crazy. Okay. Pop off. Okay, I'm gonna pop off. You. Okay. Pop off on indoor and outdoor dining. Fuck all that shit. They're both bad. Neither one is better than the other. You shouldn't be eating out anywhere. I don't give a fuck if there's an, everyone has a mask. I don't care if there's like sh- plastic barriers in between the tables. I don't give a fuck if it's in the backyard or like in the back parking lot or whatever. You should not be eating out any places. The way I see it, it's like every restaurant in the world turn into drive-throughs and yet you're choosing to sit in the drive-through to eat. You look so fucking stupid. Like, you're risking not only the server's health, but, like, your people you're going with. And it's just, like, complete selfishness. And it's just, like, you're risking spreading COVID-19 for a fucking boomerang on your Instagram story. Like, just to be like, hey, brunch and shit. For mimosas. For mimosas. The mimosas, Will. And so I just think pop off on indoor and outdoor, indoor and outdoor dining. They're both horrible. You should not be doing it. And if I see you posting about it i'll think of less of you i'm sorry to say it but i'm not sorry to say it because it's not gonna get better and i said what i said so yeah pop off that was my pop off that's a good one that's a good one i would comment i i agree i think it's so interesting um and accurate everything you said is accurate because like i just picture like everyone's thought process like dang we can't go you can't go eat in restaurants. And then some, like, morons, like, wait, we can eat outside. <laughs> and they're like, this is close. I don't know. It's just, like, that's one of those things where I, I think people didn't, like, we haven't been able, we haven't wanted to, like, adjust. It's like, no, like, like, you aren't taking a huge sacrifice by eating outside. You need to take the full sacrifice and just take, take out, take out's fine, yeah? Or, uh, you know, just, no, no, I agree completely with you. No indoor, outdoor dining these days. Exactly. And it's, 
And I think part of the, part of the people, like part of people's motivation for going to indoor or outdoor dining, is they think doing it it will give them a sense of normalcy, right? But I feel like yes. I feel like sis, that 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 feeling is gonna be brief. You know why? Because we're not we're going back to normalcy if you continue to do it. If you continue to go, does that make sense? It's like you want. You want the dinner before the dinner is cooked, right? And the dinner being like COVID-19 being cured, right? You want normalcy without having to like work for it. For me, it's like cheating in a way, you know? But yeah, that's what I think of it. Because I don't dine out. This is a takeout household. And the few times I've like hung out with like one or two friends since lockdown, I've been, I've made a, I've been that friend in the car who's like I am not dining in. Let's get food to go cuz I I just feel like that's I would not feel comfortable dining in cuz I just know it's not good. And I've read reports where like people who get COVID-19 have reported that they get it from like indoor dining and stuff cuz you have to take your mask off, you know, while you're eating or whatnot. So for me, it's all bad. It's no good. Bad vibes. Don't do it. But yeah. just you're touching everything the server's touching and she's touching everything he or she's touching everything all the other customers are touching it's just not a very there's some bubble overlap you know not safe um and i completely agree Mm -hmm. i really do Mm -hmm. Uh, and it all it just one last quick thing about it it just it reminds it just uh, it just shows like kind of like how gross capitalism and like classism is you know because the whole dichotomy of like the server and then the customer you know it's like even in a pandemic people have to make a living you know and for me that's just like gross like again it's like the customers putting in danger the work of the the health of the the server you know again it's just like the whole class aspect of it turns my stomach bad but yeah that's all i have i could talk about this for hours honestly but yeah are you ready to go on yours do you know what you want to go off on yeah i mean i could i could go off on a couple and you can go off on multiple it doesn't it doesn't just have to be one do it do it maybe i will um this is controversial but um, like the the social media atmosphere these days, there are there are so many things that are bothering me. Things that I think about a lot. Like, um, but one thing that really doesn't sit well with me, and maybe I'm not completely understanding it, but I'm completely I don't like the claim the idea of cutting off not talking to family members friends who don't agree with political views cultural you know like any sort of controversy Mm -hmm. whether it's an event whatever i am not i think that you don't have to tolerate if someone's saying some lame stuff on the timeline, some racist, sexist thing on your timeline, you do not need 
one doesn't need to see it. But I think that 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 thought that stance, I think it's kind of can be troublesome because we were talking about that binary earlier. You know, it's it's Republicans versus Democrats. I think the biggest um, the biggest thing that is lost when someone cuts someone off is there's just not a lack there's not an exchange of opinion and I understand completely like if there's if there's not if it's someone who isn't able to talk about it doesn't want to talk about it that's something else you know but like just outwardly cutting off people because I think that's easier it's for sure easier than having these terribly tough conversations of race class gender uh, whatever it may be I think it's much easier and I think those conversations need to take place I don't think anyone has an obligation to fucking tutor someone who is ignorant or disagrees. I just think that the broad mind mindset of cutting off, and that's the that's the language I'll use. Cutting off, you know, mm. um, family members, friends, because their opinions don't align with yours. And another aspect of that that I don't agree is how it's been kind of like, like I've seen it on Twitter, Instagram, like people like almost taking pride in posting messages between them and another person. There's been like an element of it that's almost been like glorified and it's like some sort of clout, like, oh, just so everyone knows exactly how I feel. Mm -hmm. And that like, it's, more important, I think, what other people feel. Like, there's just not enough effort going towards understanding the other side. And I'm doing air quotes. You know, the an opinion that doesn't align with yours. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, because to, to the second point you brought up of, like, posting messages between people, that's very much, like, a one of many forms of, like, uh, virtue signaling. You know, if you're familiar with that term, it's like, look at me, I'm righteous because I believe in this and you're not. And it's very much re- reinforcing that binary we spoke of. And there really is a clout element to it because they know, because they've seen posts similar to that, like the ones you've seen. And then that's why they post it, right? Because they think people will react to this. Like it's, uh, it's like kind of like uh, a mob mentality, you know? Like people will like feed into it just for the reaction of like the greater audience in a way so i agree with what you're saying and the whole like cutting off people on your family and stuff i see that because believe me like my family not my immediate family but you know we we all have those aunts we all have those uncles you know like i just want to pull out a pair of scissors i just want to pull out a pair of scissors and just snip 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 right cut them off from me but at the same thing it's just like knowing it's reconciling that with my relationships with them throughout the years, you know? Cause yeah, they might we not might we might not agree on the same thing all the time politically or what have you. But for me, I'm not gonna like invest my time in them ridiculing them or trying to teach them 
if they're not the ones coming to me does that make sense because for example i could have a racist ass aunt right and i'm not gonna i'm gonna like denounce everything they says right i'm gonna be like oh you shouldn't say that right but i'm not gonna give it the time of the day because i know it's wrong and she needs to come to her own realization that she's wrong does that make sense and so for me it's not a matter of cutting out but just of like you, you don't need to project your shit on me like you're not my responsibility essentially is what i'm trying to say no i i completely understand and i think that's a good way to phrase it um yeah i no one has an obligation like i said to fucking change their old racist grandpa no one needs to talk i'm just saying overall that sort of mindset that sort of logic is i think what something that makes the situation the binary worse only more divide i think it heightens differences and i I do think it's a bit of a i think it's a bit of a sellout thing to do like it is um, easier it is so much easier than having the conversation if you want to have the conversation um and if it's any sort of outward or outward racism or outward talk or something on social media, something that makes you feel dangerous, of course, cut them the fuck off. But like situationally and overall, I'd say try like that's not the the I don't think that's the basis of someone of you stopping conversation with someone completely. Yeah, yeah, because I feel like what's important in this conversation we're having is realizing that, like, for example, on the topic of racism, there's different degrees of racism, but they're all bad. And so, of course, we know that. We know that. But the thing is, like, I feel like that's one of the big problems in America, but also the world, but especially America, because I feel like some people only think racism is like when you call someone the N word or you call someone like a slur, right? People don't understand that racism can be nonviolent and be like passive, you know, whether it be through policies or just like coded language, like those dog whistles you hear or like the perpetuation of stereotypes. So I feel like that's part of the conversation we're having where people not only in terms and I think this applies beyond just to racism, but like whatever the ism is, like there's different degrees to each of them. And as, as you said, it's situational. And it should be taken like a case by case basis, you know, because 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 why? Because context is important. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I'm I'm super glad you said that because when I said like oh, you know if it's outward, I could uh, kind of makes it sound like you know that's um, the only thing. Like, yes, people don't understand what racism is where it is um i obviously don't fully understand nowhere close but it is a dangerous thought um that racism is only outward attacks um so that's that's a very good point yeah and like now and then there's also like internalized racism which is its own like conversation you know a whole other thing 
But yeah, I am glad you brought up this whole point because it's very relevant as to what is going on like in the culture right now because people don't really know how to navigate it or as you said, jump to conclusions and like end up cutting people off. So I think, yeah, grateful for this conversation. Another point, because we touched on social media and we touched on this before recording, but can we take a second to like drag Instagram for like being what, like a shopping cart now? absolutely terrible i clicked on their their shopping cart tab 10 times a day notifications and i'm just destroyed every single time it's completely questionable out there yeah exactly the layout is very sus they updated instagram and they move stuff around and like the reels button is where like the new post button used to be and the number of times I've like accidentally clicked the reels button and then the video starts playing super loud and I'm like, what, what is this, you know? And then I've, I had that, I did that twice, right? And then a little annoying ass notification came up and it said to click new posts, go in the upper right corner. And I'm like, I know you dumb bitch, don't remind me. But it's just that thing of like, it's an inconvenience, but who asked for it, you know? What data necess- necessitated this update? I don't know. But everyone's mad. Everyone is mad, and we should let them hear it. I also don't understand why, like, what data? That's funny. I don't... I give it's just... I give it a way to cut out the middleman. Instagram entering the retail is it even retail i don't i don't understand this at all like what there is what they're doing what they're trying to do exactly it's like are you trying to catch up to amazon because like you're not sweetie sweetie mr Mr. over here working (laughs) yeah trying to catch up to jeff jeff bezos is just chilling like shitting out billions of dollars just unbothered by this but yeah, yeah instagram you did us dirty bro i think i think on this podcast right now, we should, we should boycott, we should announce a boycott of Instagram. Just like everyone should get off of Instagram. Let's just boycott it, right? Because that's, that, that's a logical okay. next step, right? Let's just boycott Instagram to delete your profiles. I think so. That could work. Uh, whew, that'd be tough, huh? They have me by the neck <laughs> like everyone else. It's crazy how maliciously they, like, it's just, it, uh, I spend too much time on it, like a lot of people, like most people. Mm-hmm. Um, they definitely, it, everyone would be better, except for maybe Zuckerberg's pocket, if it was less malicious, you know, like less damaging, the way their, like, business model is essentially made to, like, yeah exactly exactly and because if people were to like delete instagram for some people who use it i'd be like oh wait if they didn't have instagram like how would you determine your (laughs) self-worth you know because i don't think they would know how because the likes would be gone so that's again part of the malicious business model that you talked about have you seen the netflix documentary the social dilemma it came out bruh bruh absolutely mad absolutely mad that was one of those things we've been talking about being willfully ignorant like 
after I learned all that, I was like, I almost wish I was blissfully ignorant. Mm-hmm. It's just experience, and I knew some, I knew a lot of it, you know, data collection. That's been happening, but it was a very interesting perspective of like exactly how how it's designed to like how all these apps are designed to maximize their profits, their users' screen time at the expense of like mental health, mm-hmm. mental and physical health. Like it's just it's startling and really bad. Terrible. We're gonna be some people are going to and we're not we're not able to see it obviously because these young where us the young people we'll see later like just how bad it messes with us so we don't know we don't know yet exactly exactly because for people who aren't familiar with the social dilemma it's a netflix documentary that came out not too long ago about the some of the people who work behind these social media apps like instagram facebook google and it discusses how they kind of like got to as bad as they are and if i remember correctly there's one guy who like says like i didn't know it was gonna be this bad and i'm just like bro what <laughs> like what the fuck i don't know but that took me the fuck out and so as you're saying about like the youth and however they do it because i've been like in the last few years as like a full as adult i've gone to like family parties right and me and my siblings we would always be the kids who like keep to ourselves you know when we were like children right but now these kids, it's like they're on their phones all the time. Like, like part of raising a child is like giving them an iPad at the age of like five or something. And one la- and another point related to like childhood and tech, it's just like I, I watched a documentary or like a series CNN did, and they talked to the parents of they talked to parents who work in Silicon Valley, right? Who like live in California, the Bay Area, and they have, and they send them to schools where there is no technology. The parent, like the tech parents, do not let their children use social media because they know how bad it is. But they're the ones yeah. making it and perpetuating it and profiting off of it. Does that make sense? And how? But then the consumers don't understand that connection, you know, or don't, or, or yeah. aren't aware of it. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a very sort of ironic thing. And I remember in the, the documentary on Netflix, that it cuts to this one guy, he's like, the interviewer asked, like, would you ever get your kid an iPad? Or like, would you ever give your 12 year old an iPhone? And he's like, no, not even close, never. And it's just like, that's telling. Like you said, that's very telling. And can I, can I pop off really quickly about something? Yes, on anything. Uh, yes. You, go, go, go. Something you said. I've, I've like, I cannot stand when parents give their misbehaving child an iPad. I think that is one of the most damaging, like, developmental things you can do because what it is is like when you're a kid when any one of us are agitated there are things we have called regulators 
that we it, it's essentially how we regulate our emotion mm-hmm. like a, a baby that is agitated for whatever reason starts crying and you give them an ipad him or her an ipad um they use the ipad to regulate their behavior their emotion and they do not develop their own skills it's an external regulator and there's literally like going to be people who have grown up with zero ability to manage their own behavior and emotion and use technology as a crutch like it's going to be crippling like i it's something i really think is terrible and talking about like business models there's way too many tech companies just capitalizing on uh, it's so easy to get a baby addicted to an ipad it's unbelievable and it's just so morally terrible and like that's lasting the other terrible thing is like if you gave it to me and i'm 14 years old like it might mess with me a little but you give a four-year-old infant two years like two-year-olds are shown a little screen of their dumb little cartoon and that just completely wires their brain that way you know what i'm saying it's terrible it's like it really really messes with their development so please try to not give your child a ipad or iphone or ipod and it's crazy because it's the easiest thing to do i honestly don't fault parents because it's the easiest thing to do exactly not enough, not enough education on it people don't we don't know we won't know what it does and right now the businesses are capitalizing on that really sort of it's just it's all bad is what it is mm-hmm don't give your babies anything point blank period <laughs> but like you know yeah. but i know what you're saying though because because the whole th- the point of regulators that you mentioned like people parents give their kids these electronics as a way for them to like keep busy the children to keep busy you know and i feel like let's say because you brought up like kids who are like ill-mannered right or like are rude and act up like rather than let the child like send them off to like the timeout corner like super nanny like did <laughs> like just instead they'll like give them an ipad or like send them to their room right where like when they're on the technology they don't have to reflect on their actions you know because they're distracted or like they're yeah they're just distracted so i feel like it's this yeah. whole like it's not it's like a full circle it's like a it's like a cycle right but that goes nowhere and benefits no one you know it's just like it's this concept of like immediate relief you know or immediate gratification where it's like oh my child is like annoying right now how do i tell them to like shut up give them an ipad you know it's very much that like it's the short term it's prioritizing the short term over the long term i would say definitely that's a great way to I like that a lot, the immediate relief, because it works. Damn, it works. Like, I feel like we've all seen it. Like, they're instantly quiet. The kid, it's shocking. It's really, like, it's crazy the way they react. And then you 
start thinking about how we dudes are, you know, like when we're sad or like lazy, just go get some, go get some stimuli on my iPhone, some free quick dopamine. Let me get some endorphins. Let me get some virtual endorphins, please and thank you. But yeah, that's crazy. Social media, man, it's crazy. So crazy. Because I don't understand how people are going to like... Because I, I jokingly... I have a friend who works uh, in tech. And every time I tell them... Every time they tell me about their work, I'm just like, abolish tech. Like, bro, you're on the inside. Like, destroy it. Come on. Yeah, I'm just like, <laughs> I mean, I don't say that, but like, if the shoe fits, right? If the shoe fits. But the thing is, it's just like this whole idea of like, good tech, quote unquote, and then bad tech. It's just, quote, needs to be regulated. We've seen, it doesn't matter if Zuckerberg goes and testifies at Congress or at the Senate or wherever. Like, they still need to be regulated. These platforms are evil. And a funny thing, this thing, Francis. Like, for example, I don't use Facebook at all. I deleted my Facebook a year ago because I'm morally against Facebook. But then she's like, but you use Instagram. Because <laughs> Facebook, for people who don't know, Facebook owns Instagram, right? And I have a defense every time I get, like, called out for that. I'm like, bruh, my parents know like one of my parents, right? One of my parents is on Facebook. The other one isn't on social media at all. But that, that one parent of mine is on Facebook, but is not on Instagram. And for me, that tells me everything I need to know. Does that make sense? Because like my parents, I'm just like, they're still like, bo- they're boomers is what I'm trying to say. I'm like, if one of them is on Instagram and not on Twitter or Instagram, I feel like I'm choosing less of the two evils. You know what I mean? So I feel like that's how I make sense of the situation. Because I feel like Facebook... People like to lump social media into this one bucket, right? But each platform is very different. And, like, do, do, it does their own damage in individual way, in like individual ways. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it makes tons of sense. It makes tons of sense. I bet, I bet there's more... You know, I, I probably guess Facebook's probably bigger, right? More people probably use Facebook than Instagram. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I yeah, I would say so. Yeah. I bet there's more darkness and hatred on Facebook as well. Like an older, hundred percent older median mean. We were talking earlier math. I don't know it. Whichever average, <laughs> there we go. Average age of the Facebook uh, user. Older. It's just less of a. I think less of a platform. Young people. It's just less relevant. The, the young point of view exactly exactly and as much as some people would hate to believe it but like the youth know what they're doing you know like i've jokingly said these past four years since like trump got into office i'm just saying like kill off the boomers like i'm i am sorry to say it but like i've said those words they got it, it has really? to happen like come on come on I, yeah, so I don't know. I'm not, you know, it is what it is. We we both know what I mean. But yeah, boomers, yeah. man. And like, 
Yeah, and for me that means all boomers, you know, regardless of like demographics. But yeah, boomers, man, you gotta go, you gotta go. Yeah, when I think boomer, I think white for sure, um, personally. And on a really crude sort of unfiltered note, I think. I mean, what else is gonna? What's gonna really change things? The death of a lot of boomers. You know what I'm saying? Like just people in power, current people in power, just dying, <laughs> losing their power. I don't know. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm, I'm, I guess I, I'm hopeful. God, I, it, it just makes me sound. Like, I don't know how it makes me sound, but it's what I think. Like, it makes me sound right. A, <laughs> it makes me sound correct. A power, like, there needs to be a bit of a power shift, you know. And I'm not sure really quite how it's how. You know, like people. God, there are people still alive who were born in 1930. Like that's just such a problem. Like for them to be in positions of power. Exactly. You know? I mean, their 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 life experiences. It's not relevant to today, frankly. Exactly. So I think we unpacked something here that I don't like old people. I think we discovered that today. I I don't think I like old people either. But the thing is, I don't like kids either. Do you like kids? Because I'm like, does that make me an asshole? Uh, kids. I don't like super young kids. I worked at a after-school program, like kindergartners and first graders. Those are some tough years. But like my second, third, fourth, fifth graders, like they were, they were all right. Um, young kids though, they don't bring much to the table. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, what can they bring, bro? <laughs> They're kids. Shoot but the thing. Bosses. That's true. Um, Cause for me, cause I also did my community service in high school at, at my local boys and girls club, and for me, I was always uh, intimidated by kids. Cause I feel like kids, they innately like have this ability to like see people as they are. Like they don't have that filter of like bullshit. And so what I I was always go to those, I would always go and help out and be terrified. Of one of these kids being like, "Hey, you're chicken shit," and we all know it, <laughs> like all that stuff, you know? Because <laughs> like they see me for who I am, and I don't like that. Yeah, no, they they do just. Uh, I I totally agree. I know what you're saying. There's a little bit less bullshit, you know. A kid will, a kid will say like, like something something small, like oh, like. You have a stain on your sweatshirt, and they'll just say it, and like the other kids will laugh, or just something like that. And it's just crazy. They don't hold back all that much. They haven't learned all these incredibly complex, like passive aggressive. Like they don't know how to be passive aggressive. Yeah. Like a much more developed sense, like a developed tactic of hurting people. They're very blunt, you know. So. Very blunt. Very blunt. Very blunt. One of the girls. I remember this one incident where I was helping out. I was a freshman in high school, and this one girl fully came up to me with her two friends, and she's like, "Why is your nose so big?" I'm just like, 
Exactly. Why? Most like that. It's killer. And it gets to you, no? I mean, God, I know for a fact these kids, these young kids that don't know much in this world, just, you know what I'm saying? Why do, why do their opinions get to me? Like, it's crazy. It's exactly, exactly, exactly. Children, man. But yeah, lucky. But you and I, luckily, we're like in between kids and kids and elders, so we're good. We're chill. We're chilling. We made it we made it through. We're not gonna die yet. Whip to that. Awesome. And so with that, I feel like right. That's it. But like. Is there anything you'd want to like mention? Anything that we didn't touch on that you'd like to touch on, discuss before we head out and go back to quote unquote living amid a pandemic? Um, you know, no real, no real life saving messages over here on my end. I'm just thinking I'm a little hungry. Kind of tired. I might just make some food and watch Game of Thrones. It's my night, probably. Take it easy. Take it easy. What about you? I'm just gonna. Fi- I'm gonna try to finish the new season of The Crown, which came out last okay. week, and like, if it's the first season that features Princess Diana, and I'm a Princess Diana stan, and so I'm just like relishing in every episode so i'm probably gonna make some food and then watch that but yeah other than that like signing off just like die boomers you know i think that's fair to say and a good note and um is that the title of the episode do you think it could be huh it really could be it might kind of limit your listenership though you might lose some boomer listeners i don't want them listening anyway but i don't think i don't think they're Hearing aids would work to listen. Yeah, there might be some some technical barriers they need to. Unless there's some, te- you're missing out on some tech savvy boomers, man. Exactly, exactly. Out. And maybe the text, the text sizes on their phone, aren't big enough that they would be able to like read and click the episode. So who knows? But to all the tech savvy boomers, I apologize in advance. I'm sorry. Yep. They made it this far. They're doing something right. They're doing something I'll right. They're doing something right. We don't know what that something is, but like you made it here. Shout out to I guess shout out to the boomer if you're listening right now. Shout out to the boomer. Tech savvy boomers. Tech savvy boomers. And with that, this has been another episode of Contextless. Thank you for listening. Until next time. Bye. Thank you.